Welcome to Africa's LSP podcast, where we explore the world of translation, interpretation, and localization, as well as connect with the language industry's top players. From language service providers to the businesses and individuals who rely on their services, we'll be delving into the challenges, opportunities, and trends shaping the industry. Join us as we discover the power of language and the impact it has on connecting Africa and the world. Brought to you by Bolingo Consult and hosted by Nat Kintela, Africa's LSP podcast is the go-to podcast for all things language in Africa. Hi, welcome to Africa's LSP podcast. On this episode, we're going to be delving into the nitty-gritties of the language Lingala. And we have with us an expert all the way from Ghent University, Belgium. He's Dr. Michael Mewis. Hello, Dr. Mewis. Welcome to Africa's LSP podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you very much. <laughs> great, great, great. So before we move on to the business of the day, I'm sure our wonderful listeners are curious to know who you are, what you do, and your connection with Lingala. And maybe you could as well pour in a few words of Lingala in there, if that's fine. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Michael Mavis. I'm a professor at the Department of African Languages and Cultures of Ghent University in Belgium. I teach uh, Lingala and African Social Linguistics. Um, in Lingala, I can greet you saying Mbote na yo mama or Mbote na yo papa, which means nice to meet you, madam. Nice to meet you, sir. Uzali malamu. How are you? Olamuki malamu, which literally means, did you wake up well? And which can be used to say, uh, good morning. Wow, that's quite impressive, sir. It leaves me wondering, though, how your, your story with Lingala started. Because it's quite interesting how a white man from Belgium could grasp all the details and control of an African language like Lingala. I'm really interested in knowing how this happened. And if possible, you can tell us a bit about the history of Lingala, I mean, its origin. Well, my story with Lingala uh, is the following. I was a student in the second half of the 1980s at Ghent University, at the same university where I'm working now. And Lingala was an elective course. I took that elective course, and after a while, I tried using the things I had learned in that elective course, I tried using that in conversations with uh, the many Congolese friends that I already had in Belgium, because um, the Congolese community is a very important one in Belgium because of the historical ties between the two uh, countries. Uh, so I was trying that language or what I had learned uh, with those speakers, and they said, well, you're talking a very weird form of Lingala. We, we don't talk like that. Uh, so I went back to my professor and I, I, I told him that in a polite way. Of course, I didn't want to attack him in any way. Um, and he started explaining me and he said, yeah, well, what, what I'm teaching you in class is in fact a, uh, a variety of Lingala that was um, created by missionaries in the beginning of the 20th century. And that indeed is quite remote from the language as is as it is actually spoken. So immediately I started to get interested by that. I said, okay, so this language has many varieties and there's one variety apparently that is not even spoken by its native speakers. 
but that was created, that was designed, that was engineered by outsiders, by white missionaries. So I started digging deeper into the history of the language. And ever since, um, my fascination with the language and with its history has, has grown. And uh, I'm, I'm talking about almost 30 years ago, and I'm still a scholar of Lingala now. I'm a professor of Lingala now and, and of its history and of its grammar. Wow, that's a great story. And a really thought-provoking history of Lingala as well. As you were speaking, I was just wondering, um, with such a history, can you tell us a bit about the different parts of the world where this language is spoken? I mean, where Lingala is spoken? Just, just to throw more light on how widespread this language is and how far it's, it's grown, how far it has come since its inception. Yes, that brings me to where the language is spoken. It is actually, today it is spoken in uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, in the western and northern parts, the western parts that includes uh, the capital Kinshasa. It is also spoken in uh, neighboring Congo, the other Congo, Republic of Congo, uh, where it is spoken, well, in the upper third, two-thirds of the country. If you would divide the Republic of Congo, so Congo-Brazzaville, if you would divide it into three parts from south to north, in the upper, the northern two-thirds, uh, it is spoken. And also in uh, its capital, Brazzaville, where it is used alongside uh, Monokutuba. Now, it is also spoken, very importantly, as I mentioned at the beginning, by the Congolese diaspora. Uh, so there are very important Congolese communities in the global north. In Belgium, for one, again, because of the historical ties, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, Congo-Kinshasa, was a, a Belgian colony until 1960. For those reasons, there's a very important Congolese community in Belgium. There's also an important Congolese community in France, in Paris and other major cities, uh, but also in Canada, in the US, and also within Africa. There's quite some um, internal African migration, South-South migration, as it is called. Uh, for instance, in, in South Africa, Johannesburg, Cape Town, uh, those are cities that have a very important number of Congolese. And the interesting thing is that Lingala is the most important language of communication within those Congolese diaspora communities as well. So there are many Congolese languages. Lingala is certainly not the only one. There's more than 200 languages, uh, African languages uh, in Congo. Four of them are called national languages. Lingala, Swahili, Kikongo and Chiluba. So they are national languages in the sense that they are used for uh, communication among people with different um, mother tongues, I should say. Right? So my point is that in those diaspora communities, even if someone comes from a non-Lingala-speaking part of the country, once she or he arrives in the global north or in South Africa, that person has to learn Lingala anew, right, in order to be able to function and to live together with the fellow Congolese. So it's a very vital language outside Congo too. Some people learn it for the first time. Many people, of course, already know it from Congo, but many people didn't know it and then have to learn it there in order to uh, be able to communicate with their fellow countrymen. Um, and secondly, we also see that in the diaspora, the language is passed on uh, to second, third generations. So when Congolese get children in uh, the new situation, in France or in Belgium, we see that 
more than used to be the case, Lingala is passed on to uh, the newer generation, and much more than the uh, other Congolese languages. Um, okay, so that is what I can say for its its regional areas of diffusion, if you want. Right, so it's really a very important language uh, in Central Africa. Thank you so much, Dr. Mewis, for the details. You've within the short time painted was a vivid picture of how widespread Lingala is across the world. Um, it would be great to know, though, how many people actually speak Lingala across the different parts of the world. I mean, can you give us a rough idea of the actual number of speakers of this language? Um, when it comes to the number of speakers, Africa has about 1,800 to 2,000 languages. And Lingala is among the top 10 of those. So it's one of the most spoken languages, the largest languages uh, of Africa. We, we are talking about at least 30, 30, 30 million native speakers, at least. Uh, Kinshasa is, is almost exclusively Lingala spoken. And Kinshasa has a population of about 15 to 16 million people. So you have to count at least those. And then in the other major cities and in the diaspora, if you count all those native speakers together, we're talking about 30 million native speakers. Now, in addition to native speakers, the language also has non-native speakers, speakers uh, who have another mother tongue and who use Lingala occasionally, sometimes regularly, once a week, maybe even once a day, sometimes only once a month. But they use it in order to communicate with people who don't share the same mother tongue. Right, a lingua franca, as we call it, or an LWC, a language of wider communication. And Lingala has a very important number of non-native lingua franca users as well. And there we're talking about at least 25 to 30 million people again. Right, So we can safely say that there's 60 million speakers and or users of Lingala. So when I'm talking about these uh, non-native speakers, about the use of Lingala as a lingua franca, so for many people it's a, the only native language, the only mother tongue. For other people it's a second or third language. That is the case mostly in the rural areas. So in the western Congo, in the northern Congo, in the northern parts of, of Congo Brazzaville, etc. The more you leave the cities and you go into the rural areas, the less people you will encounter that know only Lingala, and the more people you will encounter that have Lingala in their repertoire as a second or third language. Now, another important thing to say about the, the, the geographical diffusion of Lingala has to do with what I mentioned earlier, the fact that the DRC has four national languages, Lingala, Kikongo, Swahili, Chiluba. In principle, these are geographically organized, meaning Lingala is the language in the west and the north, Swahili in the east, Chiluba in the central parts, and Kikongo in a small southwestern part towards the Atlantic coast. But the thing is that this geographical distribution is not perfect, is not symmetrical, is not in an equal balance, I would say, in the sense that in the regions where, for instance, Swahili is the main language of wider communication, or Chiluba, or Kikongo, many people, and more and more increasingly so, many people also know Lingala, sometimes as a third language, right? So first they have their native language, then they have the regional language in question, Chiluba in the central parts, etc., Swahili in the east, and on top of that they also learn some Lingala, 
And we see that that increases a lot and that has increased a lot over the last uh, decades or even half century, I would say. Wow. Wow. Details. Details. This is impressive, Dr. Morris. Thank you very much. In this short time, we've seen how widespread Lingala is, the number of people who speak Lingala. We now understand the scope of the language and even the meaning and the impact of the language on its speakers. We now even know that Lingala is, is actually not the only language spoken in the Congo. However, during your submission, Dr. Morris, that one question kept coming to mind. I kept wondering, what could be the possible reason why Lingala is, is more diffused across the Congo as compared to the other three national languages? The reasons for that are political, are historical. Um, I can name a few factors. First of all, Lingala is the language and the only language used in the armed forces in the army of the DRC. And the army is everywhere. So wherever they go, they take Lingala with them. When they go to a Swahili-speaking zone, they still use Lingala. That's what the, 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 the soldiers, the recruits um, are trained in. And that's what they use with the local population. So the local population have to know some Lingala in order to deal with, um, with soldiers and even police forces. Another reason is the Congolese music, which is very popular, uh, which is appreciated all over Congo and even all over Africa and, and also in the global north. Um, that Congolese music is produced mostly, almost exclusively, I, I can say safely, in Kinshasa and is almost exclusively in Lingala. So as the music spreads all over the country, the language spreads as well. People pick it up, pick up Lingala from the music. Even to the extent that the name, the word Lingala, is sometimes even believed to indicate that musical style, right? I remember that when, when, when I was, um, well, in Eastern Africa, in, in Uganda, for instance, and I would say, well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a specialist, I'm a scholar of Lingala, people started laughing. They thought I was a specialist in the dance, in that music, right? Well, Lingala is a language name. They believed it was a music name. Um, okay, there's a second reason, third reason has to do that it is the language of the capital of Kinshasa and that also radiates. Capital is very important uh, in terms of, of, of cultural influence within the country. So as that cultural influence of the capital radiates over the country, the, the, the language radiates it as well. Right, so that's at least three factors, three reasons why Lingala encroaches upon the territories of the other three national languages of Congo much more than the other way around. Right, that, that makes so much sense. I'm thinking though, with this wide usage, both in writing and in speech, I mean, we, we, we know that generally in Africa, most of the languages are, are just oral, they are not written. But Lingala, we know for sure that it's written. So we, we would like to know, what is the standard writing system of Lingala? Thank you for your question uh, about the standard writing system of Lingala. Well, again, I have to turn to uh, the history of the language. The language was first of all written down again by, by those Belgian missionaries that I mentioned earlier. So in the beginning of the 20th century, they encountered Lingala. It wasn't named Lingala yet at that time, but those are technical details that I won't go into now. They encountered Lingala or its predecessor, and they found it highly deficient. 
for one reason or another. They had very Eurocentric views about what a language should be. Uh, Lingala had undergone quite some restructuration processes for a number of reasons, and those missionaries found the language insufficient, the grammar and the lexicon. So they were very disparaging and very depreciative about the language. And so they started creating this new form, this new variety of their own, this mission lingala, if you want, as it's also called. And as they did this, they wrote down the language for the first time. So when they wrote down the language for the first time, they didn't actually write down the language as it was spoken. They wrote down a creation of their own, their own mission lingala, their white lingala, their father's lingala, as it is also called. So that's the first time uh, the language uh, was written down. But that's, that made it very difficult for the language and for its speakers. Because the language as it was actually spoken by the Congolese native speakers did not get a writing system, did not get a spelling system. Only this highly inaccessible mission variety, Bible variety of Lingala, which many native speakers say they don't understand. They cannot read it, they say, they don't understand it. Only that one got written down, while the language as it was actually spoken was not. And until today, there is no uniform, for instance, uniform spell, there are no uniform spelling rules commonly accepted for the language as it is actually spoken, which makes it pretty difficult for the language and its speakers, which does not mean that the language is not written. It is written. It is used, for instance, a lot on the internet, on social media, right? The WhatsApps, um, the messengers, etc. People write Lingala and write as they speak, right? They do not write the missionary variety of the language, they write as they actually speak. And of course, they, there is some vacillation there, some insecurity. They don't, they don't really always know how a, a certain word should be written, simply because there is no should be written, there is no set of rules. Um, so you see people improvising and, and being very creative, which is a good thing. Not every language needs a fixed uh, spelling system. So it is, it is certainly written a lot, but mostly on social media, on the internet. In print form, the classical books, if you want, we see it much less used. There is this association in the minds of people that writing is something for French, right? French is the official language of Democratic Republic of Congo and also of the Republic of Congo. It's the official language. So whenever writing is necessary, if it's not the internet or social media, whenever official writing, formal writing is necessary, people turn to French and they avoid Lingala, right? And Lingala is much more associated with the informal oral context, right? This is a bit of black versus white uh, opposition that I'm making. I'm simplifying a bit because it, it is written on the internet, etc. But whenever it comes to print, to books, to official documents, administrative documents, etc., we see that people turn to French. And so does the government, and so does the official administration. Every official document in Congo will be in French. Wow. Thank you very much for describing the situation to us. Um, honestly, at a point, I felt like you were reading my mind, because there were two questions I was going to ask you right after this. And, and those are... If Lingala is used in the formal or informal context. And two, if Lingala is actually popular on the internet. But that is all clear to us now. That said, I'd like to know, is Lingala used in schools? Is it, is it thought in schools? 
is it used as a medium of instruction for other, other subjects in schools? A matter that is in an interesting way related to the question of whether and how and to what extent Lingala is written is the uh, matter of its use in schools. So in the Democratic Republic of Congo, again, as I mentioned earlier, French is associated with formal administrative contexts, Lingala with spoken context, and the same applies to school education. Schools uh, are perceived as something very formal, and for that reason too, French is almost exclusively used there uh, as language of instruction. Higher education, uh, universities, for, for instance, everything is in French, right? That's the language of instruction. Secondary education, the same thing. French is the only language of instruction there. Uh, primary schools, in the higher grades, again, French is the language of instruction, the medium of instruction. All matters, all courses, be it mathematics, geography, etc., are taught in French. And in many schools in the cities, we see the same thing in the first grades of primary schools. French. In some schools in the rural areas, you can find Lingala or another Congolese language being used as language of instruction. But those are exceptions. And, and especially uh, in, in cities, you will hardly find any school that does that. Parents really want to send their children to schools uh, where they can learn French. So there is this common perception that, that, that French uh, is the language to be valued in schools, which is a sad thing and which, is, which has sometimes detrimental effects on, on education, right? On, on school performance, the children simply don't understand what is being said, so they don't assimilate the knowledge, be it mathematics, geography, history, whatever. The knowledge is not well assimilated. And in order to counter that, there are some isolated but laudable initiatives that are trying to promote the use of Lingala in schools, primary schools, as medium of instruction. Um, there is one NGO, for instance, called Mabiki, whose mission it is not only to promote Lingala in creative literature, which is cr quite exceptional. Creative literature is also almost always in French, uh, but it, th that NGO tries to promote that. It's called Mabiki. Mabiki.net, you can look it up on the internet. But it also promotes the use of Lingala as language of instruction in primary schools. And it has founded, it founded a, a, a primary school in Kinshasa that I visited recently, where really only Lingala is used as medium of instruction. Throughout the entire curriculum, right, from the first grade till the last grade of the primary school, only in Lingala is used to teach mathematics, to teach history, geography, all the other courses, and even to teach French, because they don't want to exclude French, of course. They don't want to, to, to chase French away from the school. But French is a subject. Lingala is the language of instruction. I visited that school, and it's really very successful. Children, on average, perform much better than in schools, uh, where French is medium of instruction. For obvious reasons. It's their mother tongue. It's their native language. It's the language they've grown up with. It's the language which they understand best. So it, it should be self-evident that that is the language uh, in which those children are taught. But that, unfortunately, is not the rule yet. This school, this one school that I visited, um, is an exception in the vast city of Kinshasa. Right. I'm really excited that you mentioned this. 
because we realized that this seems to be the trend in most African countries, where, for obvious reasons, of course, uh, foreign languages is adapted and, and used in schools instead of the mother tongue. It's really troubling and, and confusing for school children. However, there's a glimmer of hope these days. I mean, with, with initiatives like that of Mabiki, which you just mentioned, and, and, and quite recently, the Nigerian government approving a policy to make students' mother tongue the primary language of instructions for students in all primary schools. And I mean, even in Ghana, where I live, there have been subtle calls for, for such a policy. I mean, um, there's not really been any policy of a sort, but at least it's a glimmer of hope. It's, it's a glimmer of light. So thank you very much, Dr. Merwis, for mentioning this. Now, as we head to the end of our discussion, I'd like to know if you have anything you'd like to tell people who are interested in Lingala, just like you are, um, people who want to learn Lingala, people who want to promote Lingala, anything that better equips them to use and to promote the language. Uh, yes, Lingala, as many other large languages in the world, is a unity only in name. It has so many varieties. The linguistic paradox, right? The larger a language becomes, or the larger a language is, the more internal variety it has. Just look at English. It spreads enormously across the globe. Wherever it arrives, it is indigenized. It receives a different pronunciation, maybe even different lexicon, different grammar, etc. So it gets more and more diversified. Lingala, too, is a huge language, as I mentioned. It's one of the top ten languages of Africa. It covers an enormous uh, geographical territory. It has tens of millions of, of speakers. So, of course, it has a lot of uh, internal variety. It has regiolects, which you can also call dialects, but I don't prefer that term. It has regiolects, so the different ways of it being spoken in, in, in different parts of its area. It also has sociolects, which means different ways, different, um, well, social layers of society, if you want to speak the language. And then it has this variety that I talked about that was created, that was designed, that was engineered by white uh, missionaries in the beginning of the 20th century, and that uh, for a long time was used in the Catholic Church. Right. For a very long time, Bibles only existed in that variety, which people don't understand and didn't understand. Right? Until today, people continue telling me, well, that's a completely different language. It's, it's called Lingala too, but it shouldn't. Right? It should, in fact, receive a different name, because it's so remote from how we naturally speak that it, that it is inaccessible to us. It's not comprehensible. We cannot understand it. It's simply a different language. Right, so Lingala is a unity only in name, in the same way as, for instance, Arabic is. If someone tells you I'm going to learn Arabic, well, the first question you're asking her or him is, yes, which Arabic? Right, classical Arabic, the, the Arabic that is used in the Quran, or standard modern Arabic, or colloquial Arabic, which is still a different thing, and then colloquial Arabic. Which one? There are many Arabics, right? One has to specify when one talks about Arabic. Same is true for Lingala. So that brings me to advice for someone who wants to learn Lingala. First of all, make sure you make up your mind which Lingala. Make sure the books that you're going to use, the materials, cover the, ling the Lingala as it, it is actually spoken. Because there are many older books from the 20th century that cover a missionary, that missionary variety of Lingala that, that, that is not spoken or understood by anyone. And you won't get very, very far with that. 
that's what happened to me in the 1980s so don't make that same mistake make sure you're using the right sources that cover real lingala lingala as it is actually spoken another good piece of advice can be uh, try out congolese music it's a lovely and very fun way to learn the language right language that is used there is lingala as as it is actually spoken as the, the real lingala make sure you make your learning process fun and you can do that by using uh, uh, Lingala music, Congolese music. Um, there are also interesting resources on the internet, on YouTube, for instance. There are a few channels where uh, Lingala is taught. Some of them, some of them are quite good. So that's the important advice that I can give you. Thank you very much. Wow. Thank you so much for accepting to do this, Dr. Melwis. I, I must admit that your, your love and interest for the language is, is, is not only encouraging, but it is actually contagious. I really feel like starting to learn Lingala now. We're going to add your LinkedIn profile to this episode of the podcast, so any of our listeners who wants to reach out to you can do that. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time, and we hope to do this again soon. We'll keep in touch. Thank you very much for listening to me. Thank you very much for your interest in this in this lovely and fascinating language. There's so much to say about it. And uh, I really hope I have been able to shed some light on the situation, history and um, beauty of this language. Thanks for tuning in to Africa's LSP podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and learned something new. For feedback, or enquiries, reach out to us at podcast at bolingoconsult.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite platforms. Until next time, stay curious and keep growing.